as Ash mentioned um, last week, we launched a series called Ephesians Seated with Christ. And today I'm honored and privileged to be speaking on sanctification grace, our walk with God. And I'm so excited. I'm blessed. But hey, before we start, let's just pray that um, God moves this morning. But yes, Holy Spirit, we thank you for today. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your, your, your revelation that you're downloading in each and every single person's heart today. God, I pray that you use me to speak to your people. God, I pray that your word will pierce people's hearts. And I pray that your breath will encounter people this morning. And, and God, I just pray you speak to people directly where they're at in your mighty name. And everybody said, amen. So cool. Hey, so yes, Pastor John did launch this last week. Ash mentioned a little bit about the, um, the book of Ephesians. And essentially, in a nutshell, Ephesians is one of four prison letters that Paul wrote. Um, he wrote it to the, the church in the city of Ephesus. Ephesus was a very large city. It was a very significant city. It was a very religious city with about 225,000 people. It was a big city back then. And, and um, I just really encourage you, if you, if you didn't listen to last week's message, jump on Spotify, on YouTube, all that kind of stuff, and listen as Pastor John launched us in what um, the book of Ephesians is. And he mentions that there's a few themes in the book of Ephesians. And, and Pastor John, he um, explained and he, he shared with us about being seated with Christ. He, um, he um, spoke about justification grace, that it's a decision we make to become a new creation. And, you know, when we come into, into relationship with God, we become a, a new man, a new born-again Christian. And for me, I, I use the analogy and the illustration of I'm my dad's son. My, if you, some of you met my dad before. Some of you haven't. His name's Grant. And essentially, when I was born, I was born Grant's son. It was my status. And, you know, that was born against... I'm born as his son. I don't have to call my dad up every day or when I was young, I didn't have to go into his room and go knock on the door. Hey, dad, do you mind if you, am I allowed to be your son today? It, I don't have to do that. It was one decision. I was born. That was my status. I'm Grant's son. I don't have to call my dad up as an adult and go, dad, I, um, this isn't real, obviously, but I, I road raged this morning on my way to work. Can I still be your son? It, it doesn't work like that. It's our identity. It's our status. And it's the same when we become a new Christian, a born-again Christian. We are born into Christ's house. It's our status. We're a son. We're a daughter of Christ. And so Pastor John preached on this justification grace, the gift that God has given us. And so when we're seated with him, we're righteous, we're chosen, we're blameless. And as soon as we create that um, relationship, as soon as we are born again, it goes into an I am declaration. I am righteous. I am bold. I am holy. I am above reproach. It becomes a, what God is, I am, because I'm his son. And so today, the difference between justification grace and the gift of sanctification grace is justification, justification grace is a one-off decision. It's a, you know, I'm putting my hand up to follow Jesus. And that's straight away, Pastor John mentioned the benefits we get as we enter into relationship with God, but with the gift of sanctification grace, it's a journey. It's ongoing. It's never going to end. It's, sanctification lasts until the day we meet Jesus. It's a journey we go on. Our walk with God is different to our status in God. And so today, we're going to dive into how we walk holy with God. And I just want to, um, before I read a, a passage of Scripture and, um, in Ephesians, we're obviously reading the book of Ephesians at the moment, but um, randomly, has anyone ever locked themselves out of their house? Give us a wave. Way too many of us. And, you know, this is me. I've, I've magically locked myself at least once out of every house I've ever lived in. 
and I was reminded of this story when I was reading in Ephesians of I was living on the Sunshine Coast in my apartment and I was I was late for work and you know I was a bit scared because I wasn't my own boss so it didn't really matter but still I was like I've locked my keys I walked down to my car and my car's got like keyless entry type thing and I'm like clicking the button on the handle and it's not unlocking and I'm like I've I've definitely left my keys my keys aren't on me so I've gone up to my my front door and it's locked and I'm like awesome my keys are inside my housemates in Sydney. It's a Saturday, so I can't call the real estate agent. So I'm going to have to call a locksmith. You know, I checked the windows. That was number one. But I was in like in an apartment combo. It was a nightmare. And so I've called a locksmith. And the locksmith's allowed me to go inside my house to get my keys. And it's the same when we, our house is essentially three aspects. It's before, if we lock our keys out of the house, we're stuck outside of the house. Eventually, we want to get into, inside the house. And the only way to get inside the house is we need a key. And it's the same as I feel in the three components. So we're going to, if you've got your Bible with you, we're going to open up to Ephesians chapter 2. Um, it's going to pop up on the screen behind me. And I believe this segment from chapter 2, verse 1 to 10, it's split into three separate components. And the first is life we're saved for. Uh, sorry, life we're saved from. So this is before God. And then it goes into life we've been given. And then it goes into life we're saved for. So if you want to read along along with me in um in chapter 2, 2 verse 1 to 3, this is life we're saved from. It says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who were disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were born by nature deserving of wrath. So that's before God. That's what we are. It's, we are dead to our transgressions and sin. That's what we were before Jesus. Picking up in, in verse 4, this is life we've been given. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace we have been saved, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. See, that's the life we've been given. It's not by us. It's not nothing by we did, but it's because of the grace Jesus gave us, we've been saved. And the third component is life we're saved for. And it says in verse eight, for it is by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not from ourselves, from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. It's nothing we can do. Sanctification grace isn't, oh, what am I going to do today to be an awesome Christian? What am I going to do to tick the box and be a good person today? No, nothing by our strength, nothing by our willpower, nothing by our flesh. It's purely because of grace we are saved and we get to live in this life with Jesus. In Ephesians 4, um, it talks about the unity and maturity of the body of Christ. And it kicks off in verse 1, and it says, this is Paul writing, obviously, in prison. He's writing this letter. And it says, As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of calling you have received. See, we've received the worthy calling. We've received it as soon as we made that decision to follow Christ because of the justification grace. But now it's our decision. It's our choice. It's our, we have to. Of course, we get given the sanctification grace. It's a gift from God, but we have to 
do life with God? How do we walk holy with God? See, now we're seated and holy with Him, but now we need to learn how to walk holy with Him. See, we, we walk worthy not by working hard, not by our willpower. It's the gift. It's the sanctifying gift. It's an undeserved empowerment that comes from the Holy Spirit. And maybe you're sitting here today and you haven't made the decision. It'd be my greatest honor to later on to give you the invitation to um, allow Christ to enter your heart because through that is when the Holy Spirit um, empowers, us, empowers us. It's an undeserved empowerment from the Holy Spirit. See, saved people are changed people. Saved people are new people. And saved people are sanctified people. It's a journey. It's all tied in together. So how do we walk holy? I'm glad you asked. How do we walk in a way of who we are in Christ? See, and I'm so grateful for the book of Ephesians. Paul unpacks it in this letter he wrote to the church of Ephesus. Pastor John was explaining as well with this letter to Ephesus, it wasn't a letter, it was, it was known as like a circuit letter. And it was made to go from church to church to church and to congregation to congregation. And it wasn't meant to, before the book of Ephesians, it wasn't split into chapters and verses. It was just a long letter that Paul wrote. And it was designed for the, 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 the preacher, the pastor of the church at the time to essentially read the whole entire book to the congregation. And so I just really want to encourage you. Has anyone been reading Ephesians this, this week? This Yep, come on, let's do it. I want to encourage you in specific this week to read chapters four and five of Ephesians in your own time. We're going to unpack a little bit of it today, but because of time, we're not going to go through the whole thing because we'll be here till midnight. And I'm sure all of us want some lunch. But we're, um, we're going to kick off today. And I just want to encourage you, yeah, read chapter four and five this week. But how do we walk worthy of the calling? I'm going to share today four ways to, protect, to, to practically walk holy with God. Four steps. So the first one, if you're taking notes, I called it the daily take off and put on. The daily take off and put on. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 21 to 24, it says, When you heard about Christ, you were taught in Him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by the deceitful desires, to be made in the new attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. See, for me, to walking holy is to renew our mind. It's the daily thanksgiving. It's the daily, um, the daily revelation, the daily declarations of, no, I am holy. I am righteous. I am above reproach. It's taking off the old, the old lies of the way we lived before Jesus, the lies of the world, the lies, of the, the, the lies we were told as we were, as we were brought up. We have to take them off. It's, it's a renewing of your mind that you have to go through. For me, it's my prayer and my devotional life. See, at its core, prayer is nothing more than conversing with God. Prayer is us drawing near to God through talking and praising Him, and it's God drawing near to us, speaking to us with His Word, speaking to us with pastors, with friends around us. And so praying in our devotional life is so important with renewing our mind. Because let's say, friends, if you're sitting next to your wife, your husband, your best friend, who it may be, if you only spoke to them for 60 minutes a week, and that was it, would you, would you have a flourishing relationship? Probably not. I'm very confident, and I would say probably not. And it's the same with Jesus. Our relationship with God wasn't built to spend 90 minutes with Him on a Sunday morning. Relationship with God is built for every single day. 
Every single day we need to devote our lives. We need to take up our own cross daily. We need to, in prayer and in devotional life. And that's ultimately what's going to help us renew our mind, renew ways of the old living and to put on the new way of living. See, it's a daily decision to receive the grace to change. See, Pastor John did a series for us a few years ago called Breaking Intimidation. If you've, um, if you've never heard it, I really encourage you, jump on YouTube or come see me after the service and I'll, I'll get you the podcast. It's a, literally one of the series that has influenced me the most in my walk with God. And he basically, he just went over the four R's, which is recognizing the lies of the enemy, repenting for believing them, rebuking the enemy, and then renewing our mind. And this is very similar for me on the way I have to walk holy with God. I need to recognize the lies that I've been holding on to. I need to take them off. I need to repent for believing those lies. I need to repent for holding on to those lies. I need to rebuke them for coming back again. I need to say, no, devil, you, are, you have no right. I'm a, I'm a son in Jesus. And then I need to renew my mind. And so for me personally, um, a few years ago, I went on a massive journey on struggling with rejection. And I know some of us in the room today have. So I know some of us in the room today struggle with other areas of whatever that may be. But for me, I had to go at work with these four things. But it's a journey with God. There's some days I still struggle with it. None of us are perfect. None of us are going to be completely perfect. But God sees us through the eyes of Jesus. And Jesus was perfect. So we just have to make sure every day we go and we make the decision to receive the grace to change. See, we don't need to come to God having it all together. We don't need to come to God and say, oh, I'll get this right, or, hey, God, this is my whole life, but there's this little area here that I'm holding on to. You can't have that. We got to come to God wholeheartedly as we are. We don't have to change for God. The Holy Spirit enters us, and it reveals to us and convicts us to change. It doesn't condemn us to change. It convicts us to change, to live a life like Jesus. That's why I love Jesus. He's so for relationship over religion. It's not a couple of, we got to tick the boxes and, we got to be good people. No, we just, we got to have a relationship with Jesus. He'll change us. We don't need to get right. We don't need to be good and then come to Jesus. No, Jesus will get us right and he'll change us from the inside out as we go to live a life like him. And so there's two parts to the taking off and the putting on. So the first part is the take off. The first part involves us scrapping away our old self, the old Adam, the sinful character we were born with. Paul says this is the old self that's being corrupted by its deceitful desires. Paul says that our nature is so corrupted by sin, we're actually drawn to the things that lead to our own destruction. It's our own fault. The old self leads us to seek happiness and contentment in money or our possessions or to seek happiness in our own strength or in our own future or our own potential. But putting off the old man consists of looking deeply in the mirror of God's holy law to see which of our attitudes, our desires, our behaviors are contrary to God's will, taking them off. Physically, sometimes you need to physically take them off like dirty clothing and say, no, I'm getting rid of this dirty, muddy jacket and I'm putting on the garments of Jesus. Which brings me to my second point is the put on, putting on the new self. And the second point is lifestyle alignment to God. See, as, as a new creation, we need to strive to align to God's teachings we need to make intentional choices that reflect our choice to follow God's principles of love, of compassion, of humility. We need, to, um, we need to evaluate our actions, our attitudes, our behaviors, and to seek a life that honors God in all aspects of life, all aspects of life, 
as I said, not the set few, not the God, I'll honor you in my workplace, but oh, on a Friday night when I go and hit the clubs, whatever it is, God, I'm, I'm keeping that. But you can have my Sunday or you can have my day off, it's Friday. No, we got to honor God in all aspects of life. Believe it or not, but I used to have a pretty bad potty mouth before I came to Jesus. No, I know, people would not expect it. And I'm not talking about, you know, I'd stub my toe on a kitchen bench and say a naughty word. I'm saying like, swearing was my second language. Like, don't judge me, none of us are perfect. But for me, when I became a Christian, I didn't have the mentality of going, oh, I follow God now, I have to, I have to be kind with my words. For me, it was genuinely when I made that decision to follow Jesus, the Holy Spirit came on the inside of me and he literally shifted it in a moment. It was like overnight. I got to the next day and I was like, I'm not swearing anymore. Like this is, this is weird. How do I bring it back? But <laughs> not really, not really. But it's, it's the Holy Spirit changing us from the inside out. See, sometimes, and he does this in so many areas. Sometimes it's instant like that. Thank you, Lord. Sometimes it's not so instant. It's a journey we have to go on. Similar to as I was sharing with a fear of rejection or a fear of intimidation, sometimes that doesn't break in a moment, but it's a journey we go on life with God with. It's taking off the old and putting on the new, shedding our old ways of living. That's what sanctification is. It's renewing our thought process and aligns them to God. Taking off the old clothes, putting on the new ones. And Paul in the book of Ephesians, especially in uh, chapters four and five, he gives so many examples of of what the old life was and what to do in the new life. And just to mention a few by name uh, for in here, he mentions in Ephesians to go from anger to peace. He mentions to go from theft to generosity, to gossip, to encouragement, to revenge, to forgiveness, to, to promiscuity, to self-control. He says, he says to not be drunk on wine, but be filled by the Holy Spirit. And just, to, just a quick side note, in that process of God revealing to us, it's what we call conviction. It's when the Holy Spirit enters our heart and He convicts us that we're not living a life like Jesus. That's the opposite of condemnation. Condemnation is the other guy, the, the devil that condemns us, makes us feel bad and goes, you know, fills us with shame, fills us with guilt. But the Holy Spirit fills us with conviction, allows us to, to really go through what we're going through and realize that it's, it hurts God. Our creator, it hurts him when we, when we do things that aren't of him, when we do things that don't align to his lifestyle. And today in this room, I pray that God's even revealing right now to our own hearts. He's revealing to me that in areas of my life when he's convicting, areas of my life I need to pull into, pull into shape. Because the truth is, as, as I said, no one's perfect. No one will ever be perfect. We go on this journey until the day we die. And we're so grateful that God gets to see us through the eyes of Jesus. So sanctification, it is a process. Sanctification, grace, the gift, it's a journey when the Holy Spirit guides us to live a life like Jesus. We walk with him to live like him. But just as Jesus didn't die so we can keep on sinning, he died so he would separate us from sin. Sometimes we, we just got to be careful at the same time to go, oh, we're, we're saved by grace. It's sanctification, grace. God, he loves me no matter what. He loves me no matter what, so I'm going to go rob a bank. Not really works like that. We don't, sin doesn't, um, yeah, we don't just continue. He didn't die for us to keep on sinning. We died so he can separate us from sinning, so he can repent. Repent is to turn, 180 degree turn away from the life we were living, the life, the clothes we were wearing, 
and put on the new clothes, the new clothes, the new ways of Christ Jesus. So that the daily renewal, of uh, the daily journey of renewing your mind is key to walking holy with God. Our third point for today is, this one rhymes for a bit of fun. And it's unity in the community. Let's go. Community, that's you guys. That's you guys. And um, I'm so fascinated that in the book of Ephesians, essentially half of chapter four is purely on the unity and maturity in the body of Christ. It says in Ephesians four, verse three to six, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called to one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is over all, through all and in all. That's a lot of alls. We're one body. We're one body. Being a part of community is being under an authority. Paul explains later in chapter four that Christ gave us the apostles, the prophets, the teachers, the evangelists, the, the, the pastors. Why? So the body of Christ can be built up and continue life in unity. There's a blessing when unity comes. I'm so grateful for the incredible people in our church that, you know, when I go through my life, when I want to walk with God, I look at incredible people like Warren Phelan and, and Steve Marks and John Owen that I look to as mighty godly men that I can, you know, strive to be like in a way. Community, it's, we're all part of the body. It's not a, oh, I'm going to come visit on a Sunday and church doesn't need me. I'm just rocking up because it's a good thing to do. No, we need you. We need the body. You may think that, I, I love the analogy of the body. There's so many parts and so many parts and ligaments to the body that you might think, oh, I'm a little pinky toe and there's no point in me being here. The foot wouldn't be the same without the pinky toe. Our church wouldn't be the same without you. Everyone in this community, everyone in this, in this church, we're one body, we're one whole. And where there's unity, there is a blessing. It continues to say in verse 15 and 16, in instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. Jesus is the head of his church. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So we speak the truth in love. And with that, we grow and build our body, our church. Jesus builds his church. But we build it up in love as each part does its work. See, part of walking with the Holy Spirit is surrounding yourself with like-minded people, individuals who share a faith, who can provide encouragement, accountability, and opportunities for growth. So I'm so fascinated that Paul spoke about the church walking with God. Because often we can say, you know, I walk with God and that's my journey. I'm just doing this by myself. But it's so important here, as Paul was sharing with the church of Ephesus, that community is so strong. Unity and maturity in the body of Christ is so important. So as much as we need to renew our mind daily of putting on the old, taking off, that we also need to surround ourselves with the community, with the unity of our church, with our body as Christ leads his church. We are one body, which brings me to my, my last point. I, I might actually invite up the band if that's okay. When we do life in church, when we do life with community, when we walk with life alongside God, when we walk holy with God, my fourth point for today is we need to remember that we never have to do this life alone. It says in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, 
So, sorry, super quick. This is actually the prayer for the Ephesians that Paul wrote at the end of chapter three. So it's almost like he wrote this for the, the, the congregation to read as a prayer. So I'm gonna read this and imagine it's a prayer, just to put it into context. So that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith, and I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide, how long, how high, how deep is the love of Christ. And to know that this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be the glory of the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. So now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. His power is within us. There's no more me by myself. There's no more me doing life by myself. It's me doing life with Jesus, the Holy Spirit on the inside of me. The Holy Spirit isn't walking and then going off shopping by himself. No, the Holy Spirit is on the inside of us. We don't have to do this journey alone. So the gift for us every day is the empowerment to change and us to change but not doing it alone. See, sanctification, grace, the gift It's his power at work within us. He doesn't do it from a distance. He doesn't do it from far away from you. We don't have to go to God and go to the right location, whatever it is. God is within us. Our church family, our community, we never have to worry about being alone again. And as much as some of us today, I'm going to pray at the end of our service for two types of people. One is if if the Holy Spirit's revealing to you today of things you're still holding on to, clothes that you're still wearing from the past, and we need to let them go of all areas of life. And the second kind of person we'll pray for later is maybe you've just, you feel really lonely. You might come to church, you might have an awesome relationship with God, but you feel lonely and you just need the assurance, a fresh touch today that God loves you so much, that he's so close to you. When he seems far, he's so close to you. And for me, a personal story that I want to share with you guys, just to show the goodness of Jesus, is um, it's an emotional story, so I won't cry. If I do, forgive me. But um, I'm going to say the L word as well. In lockdown, a couple of years ago, in 2021, uh, for those who don't know, I'm, I'm a big family man. I'm one of nine. I've eight siblings. They're incredible. I love them dearly. And I've got nine beautiful nieces and nephews. They're awesome. Poor. That's not fun. And anyway, I got a phone call um, in lockdown last year from one of my sisters saying that one of my nephews had passed away. And this shattered me. Shattered me so much. See, my family was far. My physical birth family was so far away. 2,200 kilometers away, blocked by borders, blocked by everything. We're not going to detail what happened. But um, my church family, God was so close to me in that moment. I remember um, surrounding ourselves with incredible people like Pastor Dan Frecker. I remember, he, funnily enough, after I, literally 30 seconds after I got off the phone to my sister, Pastor Dan called me just out of the blue, randomly. And I believe that was a, a God-ordained moment. And I just broke down. I was still crying on the phone. And he's like, bro, what's, what's going on? Like, what's going on? And I, I 
told him what had happened. And fortunately enough, as a, as a pastor, he was able to come and see me and give me um, help and stuff like that in the moments of lockdown. And it was nothing Dan said. It was nothing he, he, he didn't tell me the right things in that moment. But we just sat together and cried. Not a word was said for about an hour. That's the beautiful thing about community. The beautiful thing about doing life with others. And just as much as Pastor Dan was with me, we had incredible people like John and Nikki that would drop food at my house. I didn't have to cook. There was people in our church that, you know, at the time I was working part-time and I was working casually and they said, you know, your casual job, we don't want you to work. So they gave me some money so I didn't have to work. Not saying that's the reason why we go to church. It's just the benefit of being in this beautiful community. But most of all, as much as my incredible church family was near me, God was so close to me, so close. I remember days I'd just lie in my bed, I wouldn't say a word, and I'd just listen to worship music and just cry and cry because God is so close to us. He loves us so much. I'm so honored that I get to do life with some pretty incredible people, and you guys should be too. You guys should be too. So in conclusion, we walk worthy not by working hard or by willpower. We walk holy because of the gift of the sanctifying grace that the Holy Spirit gives us. It's undeserved. It's an undeserved empowerment that comes from the Holy Spirit to us to carry out every single day. So just to go over my four, my four points is number one, take it off and put it on. Walking holy is to renew our mind. It's to put off the old self and put on the new self. The second is to put on lifestyle alignment to God. When the Holy Spirit guides us and reveals to us what it's like to live a life like Jesus alongside Jesus. Unity in the community, making sure every effort to keep the unity of spirit through bond of peace. And the fourth is we don't have to do life alone. Gift for you every day is the empowerment to change and us not doing it alone. 